All right, what is up, everybody? Um, okay, so we are um, here in, he's minimized on the screen, actually. Tim's, this is Tim's podcasting studio, and he has an incredible setup. Thank you. And I definitely do not have this in my office back home, <laughs> this whole situation. So I um, want to let Tim, you know, thank you. Thanks for yeah, anytime. Let, let us use your stuff. I'm glad um, to provide a platform for you. Yeah, so, um, so all right. A lot of people have been asking Marcos and I also minimize. He won't be minimized soon. I just basically a lot of people have been asking us, uh, you know, me and Marcos uh, about our ayahuasca experience. Um, and so we're going to do that. We're going to essentially make an ayahuasca podcast. But I, I felt like it was uh, – I wanted to give a little bit of, I guess, pre-framing, pre-story, backstory about like what um, about how I how we ended up, how we ended up there. I guess. Um, anyway, so yeah. Anyways, I just want to. We're just gonna like shoot the crap right now, and um, this is probably gonna be pretty long. And it's uh, basically I want to talk about. Um, kind of my, um, I don't know what you call it, like, uh, you know, faith transition or whatever, or like, you know, just a, kind of my journey, I guess, exploring like this last couple of years has been just a, a lot of like exploring and kind of figuring out um, just a lot of stuff, like, I guess, spiritually and questioning a lot of stuff. Anyways. So, where should I start, bro? You've been here the whole time, or you're, you've been my soapbox, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're my soapbox, uh, <laughs> dude. Oh uh, my gosh! All right, little backstory. So, I um, come from a beautiful family, a with incredible parents, an amazing family. Like I'm, I think I'm the most blessed person in the world with the family that I have. Um, just you know, incredibly, insanely incredible people. And if you, if you guys watch this, I love you. Um, so, you know, I was raised, um, LDS and, uh, very strong. Um, and I was, you know, I was, I've been essentially up until last year, basically it's been a little over a year now, like all in a hundred percent in. And, um, and, like I went on a mission, you know, and I was like the best missionary. Knocked on doors, freaking sweated every day, knocking doors, trying to, um, you know, share the gospel and share uh, the Book of Mormon and share just just everything, right? Joseph Smith, the Restoration, um, and uh, anyways. So fast forward. So yeah, I mean, I I had uh, that that has been the church has been like a huge part of my identity basically my whole life. And um, I want to preface all of this. I want to preface all of this, like, um, before I get too deep into it, is like, I have nothing but respect for the people in um, in the LDS church. Like, they are some of the most amazing humans, incredible people. And um, and I, I genuinely believe that most, most people are genuine, sincere-hearted, Christ-seeking people. And, um, and I love, and I'm so, so grateful. I'm so, so grateful for my life and, uh, 
how I've been raised and, and just is the best, you know, our, our family, there's, there's so many like positive benefits that have, have come out of it. Um, just, um, for personally and, uh, you know, as, as a family and, and everything. And so that's why this, I guess this journey has been like, uh, probably the most, tra- one of the most traumatic things that's ever happened to me entire life, my entire life, because my, um, my identity is, you know, essentially as a person, as you know, you, you think, you know, everything, right. And, uh, and then you don't, you realize you don't. And, uh, it's kind of, it's a super unsettling feeling. So I want to basically preface this whole thing with, um, like if, um, I read, there was a Reddit post actually the other day and, um, the lady said in the Reddit post, kind of like a, a lamentation, honestly. And I made a similar post. Like, I wish I didn't know all of this stuff. I wish I didn't know. I wish I could go back to how things were before I knew a lot of the history, like yada, yada. And, uh, and I, and just everything could be fine. And, and so I, just want to say like if if you are a member of the church like just um you know i have nothing but respect for everybody's like faith and journey and um and it is like some like pretty like unsettling things i think i want to i'm i'm going to share things that um i'm concerned like that really bothered me um just as a person you know just i i was forced to kind of take a step back objectively to you know like wow what do i think about this myself like what do i personally think about all this stuff and um anyways yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that really bothered me and and i'm going to talk about that a little bit um so anyways i just want to preface that like fair warning <laughs> like don't, it's it uh if if you don't want to hear it you know a lot of this you know i know personally when anybody would talk to me about like i guess anything that was other than like the church is true and that's the only way and that's it like you know, it was, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear any other essentially side of things. I mean, that's, that's just me. In fact, um, yeah. So there's the warning. Turn back now. <laughs> Pause, delete, keep scrolling. Um, anyway, so we'll just jump into it. So basically, yeah, my whole life, I've uh, been super into it and everything. Um, and I was on, uh, I was on this app. Uh, what's that freaking app? Um, it's like a meme app. What's the name of that app? It's like brain farted. Um, anyways, I was on this app and it was like, I was scrolling through, you know, it was kind of my nightly routine, I guess, scrolling through before bed, watching, watching memes and stuff. And somebody had posted this meme and it said like Mormon Jesus. And, uh, there was, it was a video. It was like a remake of, of, um, MC Hammer. They had remaking this, this old movie called the God Makers. I don't know. Tim, did you ever hear about that? The, the... I've heard of God Makers. I haven't. If I have seen it and watched yeah, it's, it, it's no, been it's, a long it's, time. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb. It's like, a, but it's about the LDS religion. Yeah. So yes. it basically, um, essentially, what it was is like, it's like an animated version of like um, these like anti, you know, they were anti Mormon people that put out this animated video, and like Mormons believe all this stuff. Anyway, so it was a remake of that video, and I was like. So I commented on it and I was like, this is, you know, this is not accurate what Mormons believe. This is, um, you know, this is like fake and this is like lies and, you know, you're spreading lies about the church, yada, yada. And, um, and somebody commented underneath my comment, commented to my comment and they were like, um, 
they were like, yeah, this is pretty ridiculous, but have you heard of letter for my wife or the CES letter? And, um, I hadn't, I had heard about the CES letter kind of in passing. Like I had heard, you know, you hear about things in the church, like Joseph Smith got caught, you know, having sex with a 15 year old in a barn and like, you know, you just hear like random stuff like that. And I think, you know, you, you know what you know. So it's just like, none of that stuff really, I guess, kind of penetrates this like super laser focused, um, view that you have, right. You hear the stuff and you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, I'll just chalk that up into the, he wasn't perfect column, right? If it is true, like, nah. And, you know, which, you know, I think everybody, whether it's true or not, right? And uh, so you just, you you kind of assume it's not true or blow it off. But anyway, so he posted um letter from my wife and CES letter. And, uh, and I was like, look, I'm, and I had taken debate in college. And a big thing with debate was you, you look at both sides of an argument and you, uh, you essentially, you know, in debate class, you have to defend, even whether you agree or not with it. Like you, you just learn all the information of, about the for and learn all the information about the against and you defend them both essentially. So you, um, you're, um, and I was like, look, like what could somebody say to me about the church at this point? Like my testimony, you know, what I know is true is so rock solid in the church of, of what I know that there's nothing like that. Like what do the, like, what is this? Why? Um, Cause in the church, it's like, don't look at anti or don't look at anti essentially. Um, it's like poison, you know, you're gonna, you know, it's, it's basically treated like the plague, like anything that's anti the church, like it's, it's so off limits. And I was like, look, I'm old enough and I'm mature enough to kind of like, what are, what are they actually saying? Like, you know, it's probably ridiculous, whatever. So anyway, so I read the CES letter, <clears throat> um, or the C. I read the CES letter. I actually read letter for my wife, um, and it's basically the guy's like writes a letter to his wife, and he's like, "Hey, I love you so much, but I have these problems with the church, right?" And it's a very structured, uh, essentially, letter taught or, or uh, um, information about each of the different like. I guess, categories of in church history and about Joseph Smith, the book of Mormon and all these things. And so I dove into that and it took me like, I don't know, eight hours to read it. But as I was, so I started reading it and, um, as I'm reading it, I'm just like, I was like, no way. I so, was like, sorry. So this is like a book. It's not an actual letter, like a two page letter. Um, or is it not a book, but like pretty much a novel like what? so yeah it's like it's a website actually um there's like a pdf version of it it's just like a really really long website or really it's it, it's probably like 120 pages that's like a novella bro yeah it's long if i were to guess i could be completely wrong on that um it felt like time stopped when i was reading all this stuff because it was like ripping my whole reality apart mm. um but yeah so it's essentially okay. uh it's it's a website. There's a PDF version, and then it's just a, basically a summary of all the different like um, issues. Essentially, that, you know, the, 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 it's history. Like, like this the, guy has. With yeah, the well, it, yeah, this guy. But you know, the CES letter touches on a lot of the same stuff. Um, which the CES letter wrote. He wrote a letter to the, the church education system that you know said like, look, why are it was it's a list of questions, and they're very valid questions, and about church history, and we can kind of hop into it um, in a minute. But basically as I'm reading this, like I, 
I just, uh, I was like reading, I was like, there's no way this is true. There's no way. And, um, and you know, like believer me is like, is just like, okay, justifying, justifying, or like, you know, kind of finding just all the different, you know, counter arguments, right. To, to what I'm reading through. And, uh, it was just like, and then by the end of it, I was just completely like devastated. Um, like a, like a nuke had been dropped. I admit this little city of my, like, I know what's true. I know, understand the universe. I understand God's plan. I understand everything. And then just freaking nuke just dropped on it. And it was like, it was hard, man. Like I, I was training for my MMA fight one time. Tim was actually the photographer of that fight. Um, I was training for, um, my MMA fight at that time. And it was, it was actually right before the fight. And right before the fight, I had this like big black eye and I took this picture. Maybe we can overlay it afterwards, but like of myself. And I just felt like I had been beat up like at every level and, and, and not with, uh, it, it, and it was like true crap. Like there, it was all church sourced material, like just the history. There was just so much stuff that I had no idea about. And, um, like a spiritual knockout. Yeah, it was a spiritual knockout, dude. I was like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm dead. I'm dead. And, and I was just, and I broke down. I'm like freaking crying. Like, one, because, like, I, one, I feel stupid. I could feel so dumb. Like, I'm a, like a smart guy. I love to research stuff. Like, why have, why have I not known all this stuff up until this point? And it's, you know, and I think it's, uh, what they call it, cognitive dissonance, where it's like, you want to, Anything, I mean, with anybody, right? When you start poking at the belief system, me included, it's like your freaking walls go up and you're like, I don't want to hear, you know, anything that like essentially pokes at the bubble of my opinion or my view or my, you know. And so, but at the same time, like I do want to be objective and I kind of, I, I want to know, like what what could they say to possibly? Um, anyways, it just freaking wrecked me, bro. Like it was emotional, bawling my eyes out, crying, like, um, because all of a sudden I didn't have all the answers to life and where I'm going and where, how, how did I get here? Why are we here? You know, just all those questions I think that everybody has, um, in their soul, like the soul questions. And, um, and then I was pissed because I was like, wait, hold up. Um, all of this, like information, like a lot of information has been whitewashed and covered and stored away and like like just straight up lied to and like the artwork is like not accurate like what we're and the narrative of how things happen and like the book of mormon not being like an actual history like i you know i thought it was like an actual historical record and and just all of these paradigms that you're that are drilled into you um are not you know they don't hold water and and the crazy thing about it was you know as i so i was like so i set on this like journey basically like okay this can't be true. Like none of this, you know, these are just anti, like their intention is to pull you away from God, to pull you away from Christ, to pull you away. Um, and, and so I kind of set out on this journey to just keep digging, right? I mean, just validate everything that was being said and, um, to, to look at all of all sides of the argument, to look at, um, the counters to the, to the counter and, and, and went down the rabbit hole with a lot of these issues. Um, and the, I set out on a, on a, on a mission to like prove it right. And it just got way worse for me. Like I, I wanted it 
to be true so bad. And I'm not saying like all of it, all of it's I'm not throwing everything, the baby with the bathwater, right? Like, um, you know, we, I like essentially I, I think that the, the LDS church does have a lot of truth, you know, in it. Um, but there are some like glaring historical issues that, um, that th- what they claim like being the one true church being the only like having the authority of god like y- you know you have to go to the temple you have to pay your tithing to go to heaven you have to do a lot of this stuff i just like all of that kind of um disappeared in any so what happened was i i was pissed um because the more i dug like the uglier it got um the the i guess the more i my testimony was destroyed because I, because I was like, I, I really honestly and sincerely set out on this quest to like, okay, I read all of the counter arguments to a lot of these issues and the people defending the issues, um, the arguments they were making were so like, like bent and backwards and astronomically like worse than the actual history itself, like justifying everything that had happened and be to try and I don't know I guess like when we talk more about the issues I think a lot of this will make have more context but so reading the counter arguments actually kind of solidified my I was just like man this is this this is hurtful you know it really is and so I'm like okay I was lied to and and I don't want to say like like I I love my family so much I love my like there nobody's like doing that my parents are not like lying like oh we know the secrets and we're lying to you you know it's not like that at all it's like these are like very deep, high-level um, historical stuff that you'd never talk about in church, right? And uh, um, anyway, so yeah, so that kind of blew my whole world apart. And I'm like, who is God? Like, if I'm like, okay, like I don't know, is Jesus real? Am I real? It it really came down to this like super rudimentary like reality check. And I was like, okay, here we are. Like everything I've known everything I thought I knew it's like I'm questioning everything now and um I'm real let's just start there right <laughs> like I think I'm real I don't know maybe maybe it's all a dream you know who knows like everything was a possibility then so um so anyways yeah I just started like I was op- I've been open to everything you know I've been open to like reading all sorts of like tons of different material and stuff and um, and that kind of opened, you know, I had read about like psychedelics and, um, how, you know, like the, the healing properties of like some plants and, uh, um, and I experimented with, um, with some psychedelics and, and actually had some really beautiful experiences, um, some bad ones, but, uh, but that, that, you know, we can talk more about that in like our ayahuasca podcast, but So anyways, um, yeah, so this kind of set me on this journey of like, all right, I don't know anything. Like all I, like literally my, my dogma, I guess, like my belief came down to like, I'm going to love myself and I'm going to love others. Like, that's like what it came down to. It's boiled down to that. I'm like, okay, I'm real. And, um, once be a good person, sorry to be a thought, but just be a good person. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the benefits I think that came from as traumatic as it was you know in the church i felt like this um you know i'm not speaking for everybody but i felt like there was always this kind of um there's always this like 
hamster wheel of like things you have to do and things you're not doing and things you're like constantly trying to live up to and constantly and it it um I think it gets exhausting at least it did for me like emotionally and like psychologically of like because you're um you're expected to be perfect I mean like you know the the you know we're taught like Jesus you know says be that be that we're perfect right and then um I don't know. So I, there's, I, I let go of a lot of the, just like feeling not good enough all the time, you know? And also I let go of, um, you know, and, and I'll admit this, like we, in the church, you're, you know, every member a missionary and you're always thinking about, okay, like I need to be a good example for the church. And, um, and so I think what happens in the church is people aren't very um, public or, they're afraid to share their real problems of what's going on in their life because there is this stigma of like, no, you need to have your crap together and you, you know, like <laughs> you don't want to let people know. Cause then if like people know your issues, whatever you're doing, like, you know, you're not worthy for the temple. If you're not worthy for the temple, you're not going to the celestial kingdom. And you're just like kind of just this like second class <sighs> heavenly citizen, I guess. Um, Publicly shamed. It, yeah, and it, it's it's not – like, for me, it's not even public. It's just, like, it's it's very subtle. It's like, okay, this guy's not taking the sacrament. You know, sacrament is you, – you're like, <laughs> you're like, okay, no. And they're like, even though, like, nobody's going to say anything to you, it's like, oh, that, is, that yeah. dude is a freaking sinner. Yeah. He has got – he's working on something yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so. But to me, that always <laughs> felt – to me, that always felt Dude, like a public shaming. Absolutely. Like, like, in, in, because... in that context, absolutely it is because it's so embarrassing. Like, I mean, I didn't take the sacrament for a long freaking time, right? Just because whatever, you know, I um, I was working on something or like, you know, I wasn't worthy or this. And anyway, so it, it felt really good, I guess, to let go of a lot of that and just be like, you know what? Like, I don't feel the pressure to be perfect. Like I want to be good for my own. It's like out of my own for myself. Right. Um, so I think that was therapeutic. Like, um, Oh yeah. The other thing that was super therapeutic was like in the, in the church, you know, we're always like, okay, how can I be a good example? How can I be, how can I share the book of Mormon with this person? Or like, how can I, you know, what's my angle essentially to like bring them into the church and like, and, um, I, let go of all that too like and and you don't even think about it until you're kind of like uh and until you let it go essentially like i i when i would talk to people i would have kind of an agenda you know like okay you know what am what am i going to do to like help bring them in the church you know and or or you know get them to read the, give them a book more it's like you're thinking about the stuff and it's like why like why do i need an agenda with this person and so i, I one thing that was therapeutic was like i can appreciate people for like where they're at who they are and like, I don't care at the end of the day, like, I don't care anymore. It's like, um, you know, my uncle has a, he has an analogy that I really like. It's like, um, you know, life is like, we all have a, like kind of a blank canvas, I guess. And your art is different than my art, you know? So who am I to judge your art? You know, look at your life and how you painted it and judge you for that. You know, as me, it's like, I just, I just think, and, and that felt really good. It's just like, I can look at people and, and, uh, this huge pressure, I guess, if like, I don't, you know, um, 
I can be me, I guess. Not that you can't, and, and you know, this, this is, I'm speaking personally, and I know people do a great job in the church of being themselves, whatever, but it's just, so anyways, a lot of, just let go of a lot of like crap that I was carrying that I didn't even know I was carrying, I guess. Um, so yeah, that opened me up to the, to the path of, um, you know, looking into other stuff and, you know, Marcos and I will kind of talk about, um, the ayahuasca experience later, but, um, this was, so this was pretty much your spiritual enlightenment. This was you, Yeah, it was, it was like your own revolution. Yeah. Like personally, like, personal like it, it felt like, you know, like it, it's one of the most traumatic things that's ever happened to me, you know, just, you think, you know, something and you think your beliefs are the right ones. And then when all of those are just like obliterated and you're, you're, you're going from the ground, it makes you question everything you're, and you, you have to rebuild from, from scratch. And that's what I've been doing. Um, and we can talk a little bit about that, but, um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty traumatic, but should we, <laughs> should we jump into some of the, some of the issues? <laughs> Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, this is where uh, all the kids at home c- cover your ears. Hide your kids. <laughs> Hide your wife. Because <laughs> they lying to everybody yeah. up in here. <laughs> Put your headphones on. <laughs> Turn them up. <laughs> um, no, so it's uh, – all right. And uh, I don't really talk specifics a lot of times about all this stuff, but – I do want to just share like my thoughts of some of the, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, right. And I'm not going to like go into every single thing, but, um, just things that I found concerning, I guess. And that kind of made me, um, question, you know, and just, yeah, I mean, come to my, come to different conclusions. Right. So, uh, so, um, in the, in the Mormon church, like Joseph Smith is, the prophet of the restoration. I mean, the, the, the teaching is, you know, basically Jesus had a church on earth. It apostatized everybody, you know, his true church was lost. The authority was lost and, um, everybody was in the dark ages essentially. And then God called a prophet named Joseph Smith to restore the gospel, like the, the true church, not, not a church, like the true church with the only authority that can do anything, right? Baptize and like anything that's of God, like it's the only church, right? Um, and so what the the story, you know, as missionaries, we shared uh, the first vision account. And the first vision was at least the version that we shared <laughs> was actually like the third or fourth version that he told, which is totally different than his first two or three. Um, but the main like marketing <laughs> one we share in the church is like, and, and as missionaries was, um, he saw two person, he saw God and he saw Jesus Christ and, uh, he, hold on. Sorry. Yeah. Let's backtrack a tiny bit. Yeah. He was visited by angel Moroni and told. So that was, that was after the first vision. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm way off. No, Never you're mind. good. I apologize. It's been a minute, Tim. I, I, yeah, honey. It's you been haven't a been in church in a yeah. few minutes, no, like a few years. You need, <laughs> like you need to freaking repent, bro. <laughs> Pay my tithes. Get back Get in there. Fifteen percent the rest of your uh, life, dude. 
<laughs> I'm, I apologize. I just thought he was visited by Moroni a couple times and told that he was going to go find the place. But, oh, yeah, because he was praying about the true yeah, yeah. church so, so in he, the garden. Or so the, the narrative we're given is yes, he okay. was um, – he, he like at the time, he wanted all – he wanted to know which church was true. And um, he – he pray, he read James one five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Um, he saw he prayed. He went and prayed, and he saw Jesus Christ and God, and they told him that none of them were true, and that. Um, and I'm saying all this respectfully. Like this is very like sacred teaching, like to the LES Church. I mean, so I I don't mean to say any of this flippantly. I'm just like delivering the facts so you understand. Like if anybody is not familiar, so. Um, and yeah, so he saw God and Jesus Christ. He said, and then, um, and then basically, God called him to restore the only true church, Jesus Church, back on the earth. And then, and then, um, God sent the angel Moroni to show him where an ancient book of scripture was buried in the mountain. And then he went and got it. Um, and he went and got the he went and got the plates essentially, and. Then God gave him the power to translate those plates into what is now the Book of Mormon, and the Book of Mormon contains that. You know, the nar- the narrative is that the Book of Mormon contains the um, the ancient Indians, right? The ancient Indians' history, essentially, and that lived on so supposedly this continent and the and the previous. The Lamanites and the yeah, the Nephi, yeah, the, and that's what the Book of Mormon calls them. Calls like supposedly, you know, the the they came from Jerusalem in 600 A.D. They migrated here and they set up this like thriving colonies and like in the church they're like, yeah, that's where like the Aztecs came from and that's where the Incas and the Mayas and like all the Indians, the Northern American Indians, and like just like basically anybody from North or South America is a descendant in some shape or form. Or related to the people, <laughs> the people of the Book of Mormon. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's the narrative, and uh, and then so, but it, but it's it's a like a historical account. I mean, that's very that's very like pressed upon. Like this is actual history, and it was translated by God, and that also the Book of Mormon is the most correct book on the face of the earth. That's what Joseph Smith said, the prophet. We're, Un- uncovered the plates right and um yeah so um the book of mormon itself like i actually like a lot of the stories in the book of mormon i really do there's a lot of like good messages and the point of the book of mormon is to believe in jesus like so i think the message of the book of mormon is really good you know um just the the whole point of it is the the, the pinnacle of the book of mormon is jesus visiting the americas um, and the, uh, you know, saying a lot of the same stuff that he said in the new Testament, um, the beatitudes and everything. And then, and then, you know, there was, there was these constant wars between the Lamanites and the, and the Nephites and people were wicked and then they repented. And then, um, yeah. So like, I'm not even hating them. the content of the book of Mormon. I, I do appreciate and I like a lot of the content of the book of Mormon. So where a lot of the... <laughs> Where do we start? Um, a lot of the, uh, and if, if we need to take a break, we can before we, do you guys, no, I'm good. how are you feeling? How are you feeling, Tim? 
you want to take a little? We can take a break. It's it's up to you, man. Five minute. Yeah, we can do a little five minute break, and you can gather your thoughts and like, because you got a lot, dude. I'm watching you scroll your phone, and (laughs) well, I'm not gonna touch on all that stuff. Yeah, I gotta touch on all this stuff. They're just like, yeah. bro, I've done a lot of They're research, no, dude. Yeah, I know A lot have. of research. Yeah, we've geeked before, and I was blown away by what you were telling me. I was like, what? And just because my family, I've had a few of my siblings leave the church, like mm-hmm. records wiped, like don't talk to me, don't contact me. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gotten that far yet because apparently it seems – to me, like they make it almost impossible at this point to get your name off the records. They'll sign yeah, you. Yeah, no, you need a yeah. lawyer, and you need. Um, I mean, at eight years old, you when you get baptized, you don't know that you're getting <laughs> entering into this lifelong legal contract that you need, like essentially a lawyer, and that's so crazy, a lot of dude. a lot of um, effort to get your name removed. Essentially, yeah, it is. It is a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it should be if if that's what you want to do, get your name removed. It should be easier for people, but it's not. It's like a legal process, no. yeah. wow. which is because they. It's because like I think legally for like records and tax wise, they want to have as many people on to say, well, either we're growing or this is how many people we have, mm-hmm. and this is what they contribute in tithe, and um, and all kinds of stuff. Like it's it's essentially it's just to cover their own their own basis from my understanding but and that's my own outlook honestly like i don't know the intricacies of how it works but yeah they'll sign you up man they'll Mm. sign you up right away but they'll definitely bleed you dry if you try to get out Mm. yeah i don't know that's from what i've heard i haven't tried to get my name yeah but this is what i hear from people there's a there's a there's like sites out there that are specifically dedicated to helping you remove your name but um yeah it's not like a you know, a call in, yeah. talk to the customer yeah. service, like delete button. Take me yeah. on your list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm easy. Unsubscribing. Yeah. 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 There's no emails. unsubscribe button. Unsubscribe, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my inbox. <laughs> I just have to spam all those guys. <laughs> Move tabs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Promotion tab. Um all right, let's jump into it. Okay, so Okay. So mm-hmm. Joseph Smith We'll take a break in a minute. We can take a break in a minute. Um, yeah, just whenever you want to take a break. Whenever. Man, take a break. Whenever I'm done ranting. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So Joseph Smith, like, his family was super – so um, about the first vision. So there's, like, five different accounts of it, right? One of them, he saw an angel. One of them, he saw Jesus. One of them, he saw – and Joseph Smith's view of, like, the Godhead essentially morphed from – like this Trinitarian view, it's like it's all one God to then like this, like later, years later into this, you know, they're separate and everything. And so the the pitch or the, the story he was delivering at the time kind of lined up with what he was, um, whatever his view was at the time. So um, the the first vision is such like a pivotal moment, I guess, as a missionary. When you're talking to new people, you're like, no, like Joseph Smith. He saw God. He saw Jesus Christ. But it, it really bothered me when I read the other accounts because it's like, okay, these are all different accounts that you shared. And you can read all this stuff. Like everything I'm saying is this is all church-sourced material. I mean you can read the actual papers that he wrote of all the different like accounts of the first vision, right? And um, so I'm like, you know, for me, I'm like, that's a pretty significant event. Like was it an angel? 
Did you see Jesus only? Did you see a group of angels? Did you see God and Jesus? Like, it's just like, they're so different. It's like, I feel like those are the, that's like the core of the story, right? Anyway, so I didn't know that. I was like, oh, wow, these are all, these these are conflicting stories, essentially, that he's telling over the years. I'm like, all right. And then, so he was known for, uh, he kept getting in trouble and like sued by people for like scamming them. Like he was like a known, he was a treasure hunter, which. A charlatan. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by every standard and definition, you know, like scamming people, telling him, he's like, hey, I know where there's treasure on your land. Just pay me like this money. In fact, the, one of the guys he screwed over was Josiah. His name was Josiah. Well, that was probably me reincarnated. I'm him. And now I'm pissed. <laughs> I still want my money back. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, but his name is Josiah Stolen. He, he, he told him, he's like, yo, I know where some gold is on your land. Just like pay me first. And uh, anyways, eventually this, Josiah got pissed and took him to court. But he was super into, you know, what is considered like occult practices, like divining rods. And like, you know, if you dig into it, there's a lot of like stuff he was into that was you know, is considered like occult stuff and like a witcher. Yeah. A lot of this, mm-hmm. you know, channeling spirits and like divining rods and, and just like, you know, using it to find money. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, the Bible would say like soothsayers, you know, all the stuff like you're supposed to stay away from essentially. Um, but he was kind of, he was like a, a known kind of like scammer. And, um, and the, so, the one of the things so the way he translated the book of mormon and the church now has has been much more like open about it there's the church came out with these like 11 essays and they kind of address a lot of these issues but um growing up the narrative of joseph smith was like he was given these plates by the angel moroni and then there's all this like artwork he's like looking at the art he's look he's holding these like ancient records like metal plates he's looking at them and then he's like translating them, and uh, what we found out is is that um, and the church has been more open about this. In fact, they tried to bury it for a very, very long time. Um, Joseph F. Smith or Joseph Fielding Smith, one of the two. Um, I was getting confused, but one of the early in like the 1920s, um, he, there's uh, uh, in in one of the books like it, it talked about how Joseph Smith he found a rock in a field while he was treasure digging and he used that rock later to translate the book of mormon translate this ancient record right into english but that's like not um which doesn't square up with what for all of these years it's been taught so now the church has been a little more open so basically he used um he put the rock in a hat and he put his head in the hat and the words came to him or something like the most correct translation that's ever been translated. Like it was translated by the power of God. The Urim and Thummim. So, so in, in the record, that's what the Urim and Thummim was supposedly buried in um, with these plates, which at the Urim and Thummim, it talks about in the Bible. It basically, it's a set of like, you wear them on your face and... And they help translate ancient records. They help like prophets or whatever, like translate ancient records. Well, now it like later the church, um, they called, they said 
um, basically they admit later that the Urim and Thummim, he didn't even use the Urim and Thummim. One, he didn't even look at the plates at all. And the people that, the witnesses that saw the plates, they didn't actually see them. They saw them with their spiritual eyes. And so, and also, um, if we're hopping in like the Book of Mormon stuff, like Oliver Cowdery, which is one of Joseph Smith's like good friends, he had access to this book called The View of the Hebrews. And the view of the Hebrews is like the exact same plot line as the Book of Mormon. <laughs> so you look at you're like, wait, hold up. This these people came from Jerusalem and then they broke into two tribes, guy the Lamanites and the Ephites, and they had a bunch of wars and then and you're like, you know, it, it wasn't like a direct you know, I heard an example the other day, like if you were if I was to write a book like about a little kid that went to wizarding school, like you get the gist of kind of like where I where I took the idea. Anyway, so like and it's the, fictional. It's a fictional it's book. It's a fictional book. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a 100% fictional book. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, But the plot line of the Book of Mormon is exactly the same. Um, and then there's also like a lot – there's another book that they had access to that they grew up with and around um, called The Tales of Captain Kidd and, uh, and another one called The War of 1812. But they actually did a computer like analysis of like old books essentially and found like similarities between them. And there was like blatant plagiarism of the Book of Mormon and uh, this War of 1812, like like straight. And you can read them like, it, you know, letter from my wife has all the examples and stuff, but like just straight up plagiarism of, uh, of like this other book. And then, you know, you, you start looking at like the anachronisms, which an anachronism is something that was written in the Book of Mormon that didn't actually exist at that time, you know. Like in the Book of Mormon, there was a war, and and the prophets have confirmed and said by revelation that this giant battle that happened in the Book of Mormon took place um, on the Hill Cumorah, which is in New York. And and in that battle in the Book of Mormon, millions of people died there, like a million plus people. And they had, you know, the chariots and the horses and everything. And like this, they had steel, which steel didn't exist at that. At this, at this time period, steel didn't exist. There's like issues with honeybees and like horses didn't, there wasn't horses. Like there's all these things that, that happened in the Book of Mormon that like didn't actually exist in the, in that time period. And um, so it's like, okay, well, let's go dig up some of these shields, you know, let's go dig up some of these swords and uh, <laughs> they haven't found anything. Anyways, that's the that's the point. Of that. They there's there should be like millions and millions of artifacts, right? And, then, and so people, you know, speculate. You know, the apologists essentially will say, well, maybe it happened somewhere else. But then you have all these like inspired prophets, like, no, it definitely happened here. And then it's, it's like, why isn't you know there any artifacts to back up any of this history? Church historians will just do anything they can. Historians in well, general. Well, but. no. The, the crazy thing is church historians will straight up, like, a lot of their views, like, at BYU and, and within the church is, like, there's kind of, like, this neo-Mormonism movement within the church that they're, like, okay. And this was brought up – this was brought up in 1920. This guy named B.H. Roberts excommunicated. because He's, like, look, I love the church. You know, I love every – I love you guys. But he's, like – and there, there's a really good podcast actually um, by John DeLynn and this lady that did her thesis essentially on B.H. Roberts. But he was like, look, 
the Book of Mormon is not historically accurate. I mean, and this is and this guy was smart PhD, and then he's telling them like, hey, there is a lot of like issues with the with the Book of Mormon. You know, historically it doesn't line up. Like maybe we need to morph our views, like something. And when he brought that essentially to the first presidency, which is like the main the main guys, the twelve apostles, the those are like the highest ranking in the church. They're like you. Uh, you can go on a mission. <laughs> so they sent him. Yeah, they sent him to. They sent him to I think New York. Anyways, while he was out there, he kept digging, kept digging, kept digging, and um, and then so his, you know, he essentially had a similar faith crisis. And this is one of the smartest, most reliable. He was he was actually a general authority. He was one in the seventies. Name's B. H. Robertson. He brought all this stuff forward, and they whitewashed him, and they took like a lot of all of his work and shoved it. And when he died, they shoved it in a basement, and to this like. And then thankfully, like his family had a lot of the the information, but Joseph F. Smith, um, you know, a lot of these general authorities, they knew about all this stuff. They were aware, but they intentionally, like, cause B.H. Roberts was like, look, we need to let the people know and like be transparent about it essentially. And, but the church and the leadership in the church was very adamant about suppressing all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, and then sending him away, essentially, he became essentially a heretic because he was questioning, like, the legitimacy of the Book of Mormon, essentially. And, um, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, it's so tons of anachronisms, you know, a lot of the defense for the horses, like the defense for all this stuff, for a lot of these things is like, well, when they said there's thing, they, they apologists use this term called loan shifting, which basically means when God said this word, he actually meant this word. <laughs> so, and I'm like, okay, well, if it's the most correct book, and there's also, you know, a lot of the New Testament along with the typos in the New Testament that was written way after the Book of Mormon ever came to be um, that's in the Book of Mormon. So it's like, why are the typos from the New Testament in this ancient record of scripture that, you know, God essentially, who I think, you know, if he's delivering a perfect translation, um, it would be, it would be perfect. Right. And, uh, so anyways, the word loan shifting. So a lot of, one of the defenses with, um, with like horses, they'll say, they'll say uh, they weren't actually horses. Like they'll acknowledge like, okay, like horses didn't exist at that time, but what they actually meant was tapers. A taper is like they're like this big, and they look like little elephants. And like I'm like, okay, you're telling me that you know this mighty general, you know, character in the Book of Mormon riding into battle on a like a foot and a half with with all his gear. They, they were pulling like his chariot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this literally in the rodent family. Yeah, like no, no, bro. They were it was tapers. They yeah. were everywhere. Like they rode them. It was common. And their backs are very strong. Carry full armor. Pack full animals. Armor. Yeah. Pack, Pack animals. Pack animals. You can rely on. They're like they're like thirty pounds, but you can rely on these animals. <laughs> and, uh, so, th- so it was like a lot of these arguments. I was like, I was like, come on. I was like, bro. Like I'm listening to these apologists. Like, so one of the things. All right, we haven't even touched on like one of the biggest issues that I, um that I had was uh, so Joseph Smith, right? He's people start loving him and they start believing him his story and, and, you know, he has the book of Mormon and, um, he, uh, he starts getting some power and everything. Um, 
and he's married to a lady named Emma Hale. Um, and he starts uh, like later, so he's 37, and um, this is like 10 years before Joseph Smith received a revelation that there's like poly- like uh, polygamy essentially in heaven, and that you know in order to attain like the highest degree of heaven. And this is where a lot of the spinoffs of the Mormon church come up, like the polygamy and everything. Um, he received a revelation that, you know, that the new and everlasting covenant marriage basically says, you know, like Abraham or like some of these other old prophets, like you need to have multiple wives and uh, to get to heaven. And so, but even but 10 years, these 10 years, like several, several years before he ever received that revelation, um, he started going to these young girls and essentially telling them, um, like 14 years old, this is, he's 37 at this time, and he goes to them and he says, look, um, I talked to your dad, um, he's pretty on board, because I mean, he's a very like, respected, charismatic person, and uh, basically, you need to marry me, and if you do, like, guaranteed heaven ticket, guaranteed, but if you don't, essentially he was, he was saying, you know, damnation. Like, Third level, maybe worse, dude. Yeah. You don't you don't reject a prophet, dude. Right. If this prophet's proposing to your fourteen year old boy, you do not say no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Joseph Smith went to this girl. Her, specifically, her name's Emma. Um, Emma. Hale. No, not Emma Hale. Uh, Emma. Fanny May. So Fanny May Alger was another girl he married. Who was fifteen. Um. And then Emma hit, and then what is her name? Emma. Anyways, I'll, I'll remember it. But um, so it goes this girl, and then and she recounts all this stuff. Like it was a very traumatic thing for her. She was not happy. She didn't want to do. She wanted to marry this guy, and but she felt like you know um, because Joseph Smith was a prophet and everything that he felt he needed to marry her. And um, so he was doing like all of these, you know. Today, we would say, oh, you know, that guy's a sexual predator, and let's put him in jail, like kind of like we did Warren Jeffs, uh, because he was doing the same thing, marrying a, a bunch of young girls. And, you know, he married sisters behind closed doors. He married, like, he married uh, a girl that was en- she was engaged to another guy and basically got her to call it off this other guy and married her in secret. He would send men on, on missions and, uh, like... He would send the send the husband. They're already married. He would send the husband on a mission, and multiple times. Like this happened like repeatedly over and over again. The, you know, they they count thirty seven to fifty or something um, wives. But he um, essentially he sent these men away on missions, and then he would marry their wife. Like, and he would and he would use this approach. Like he would say, an angel of the Lord commanded me with a drawn sword to marry you, you know, and I have to do it. I don't have a choice. So he would tell these girls and like, if you, you kind of step back from like a manipulation and you're like, okay, like I just, I have a, a big problem with that because, you know, uh, people's faith is like their most like sacred or guarded or, you know, special part of them. Right. And you're like manipulating people's faith to get sex. And it is confirmed. Like he did have sex with, these women because i mean it says in the doctrine and covenants which is the revelation is joseph smith like you know it, the the purpose of marriage is to have kids and uh 
Anyway, so so Emma didn't know about all this stuff like that was going on. He was he was going like his his wife at the time didn't know about all this stuff. And Oliver Cadre, um, who was like his best bro essentially through this whole thing, he even said he wrote this down. He said Joseph Smith is having a dirty nil, um, dirty filthy nasty affair with Emma. Her name's Hale. I think her name uh, Hale. Anyways, and then um, or Fanny Alger. Basically, he said. What he's doing is dirty and filthy and nasty. And, uh, but it was like really, really hurtful actually to a lot of people. And like, it was, um, I think it was really traumatic for a lot of young girls as well. Like a lot, it, it's funny too. Cause like, if you look at a scatter plot of all the women he married, it's like <laughs> the, um, God didn't command him to go, you know, go after the, go after the cougars or go after the, the older women. It's like, God definitely wants the younger ones. You know, <laughs> I mean, according to Joseph Smith, like if you look at, you know, like, how old the women were that, you know, God commanded him to, to go marry in secret, right? And he would write these, like, love letters, write love letters to other to these girls, and then he'd be like, I don't want Emma to know. You need to burn this. And uh, um, so, so, yeah, so it wasn't just polygamy. It was actually polyandry because he would marry other men's wives, like women that were already married, he would go to them and marry them too, like in secret, essentially. And uh, there's a in, in general conference one time. Uh, Brigham Young Brigham Young talked about general conference is like kind of the main gathering of every year, you know, twice a year. Um, all the Latter-day Saints, all the Mormons will gather and, and hear from the prophet. Um, anyways, Brigham Young was the prophet after Joseph Smith. Incredibly. Like that guy was a piece of work. He was like insanely racist, and uh, that, anyways, that's a whole another, whole another episode almost. Um, but he uh, he basically said Emma Emma Hale Joseph Smith's uh, wife is one of the damnedest liars there ever was. She tried to poison Joseph Smith twice and kill him. Like jo- Emma, his his wife tried to kill him and poison him twice, and it made him like his, dislocate his jaw and he was puking. Um, and I'm just like, I'm like, why? Like, um, you know, I get it. Like I get it now. Why? But, um, so he's got all this stuff going on. This is way before God even told him, you know, to reveal the new and everlasting covenant. So it's just like, it's so obvious to me. I'm just like, I'm like, dang man, he's, you know, it, it's very obvious to me that he's, he's using religion. He's using belief. He's using, um, you know, essentially manipulating people's feelings, um, to get sex. And a lot of this stuff started to come out, you know, and people got freaking pissed, you know, and, and I think I would be too, if it was my daughter or my, you know, um, you know, he's married a lot of these girls and, and Emma, I'm sure was very upset too. Um, so that was kept secret for a really long time. And, uh, so I, I did, I did have a really big problem with that. You know, I don't, I don't think God, like, I just think about, like, a 14-year-old, right? Like, I don't think God would, you know, when people say, well, the age difference was time, you know, people got married earlier back then. And, um, but if you look at census records, like, a 14-year-old was still a 14-year-old, and they still got married, you know, from the 20 to 22 age range. It wasn't like, there was a lot of people, there wasn't this huge population of people getting married at, like, 14 years old. And, let alone, you know, and then Fanny Alger, she was 15. 
um, when they met, and then I think he married her when he was like when she was sixteen. But he was their maid, and he, she was essentially like an orphan, like she was living with them. And then um, he married her too. And uh, anyways, yeah, it's just it all feels like super gross to me, like the it's the whole thing. Cause cause in the church, it's like praise to the man. There's hymns we sing hymns about Joseph Smith and he's the greatest and everything. And I'm like, okay. And, and President Hinckley, one of the prophets, he said, look, if Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet, then everything else goes with it. The whole, like the whole deck of cards falls essentially. And I'm like, that's, that's easy for me. I'm like, definitely not a prophet. Like I just, and I don't think God would command, I don't think God would command somebody to like essentially sleep with a 14 year old, you know? Um, it feels very, what, what was that documentary or what was that one we watched the other day? Uh, David Koresh. Uh, what was it? We watched on Netflix. It's the guy, uh, David Koresh, the, he had the house with, and he's like, don't worry. I've taken on the burden of sex for this whole community. So he had sex with all the women. What was that? Yo, uh, no, was it David Koresh? I don't remember. It was. What's, no, it wasn't a documentary. It was, actually, it was a movie. It was a movie. They redid. Um, anyways, it was on. There's just a, like common theme, right? It's so it's so obvious. Like there's this common theme of a lot of these, uh, you know, say the c word, you know, <laughs> cults or whatever. They have the, you know, the prophets like, uh, you know, I I have to take on the burden of like, you know, getting all these women pregnant or having sex with all the women, and it's just like it's like the same theme over and over again manipulating your position and your power, you know, to get sex. So, so then Joseph Smith, like, um, you want to take a break there? Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll be back literally right now. now. <laughs>